Don't fall into the trap of seeing and ultimately presenting creativity as a nice to have. We can see the strategic difference it makes for businesses all the time. So here's the challenge. Can you treat the, the playful, the counter-logical and you know, back to the weird with the respect that you normally reserve for the rational and the predictable and safe? And we are back for series three of transformation stories from the award-winning Beltec Cafe. This series, we're talking innovation, commerce, emotive marketing, and career changes. We'll also dip into trends in fintech, digital health, retail, mobility, manufacturing, and speak to CEOs, CDOs, SMEs, and lots of other acronyms too. As always, you can expect gloriously unscripted discussions that shed an open and transparent light on the ebb and flow of our digital world. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Ilva Lindberg, Managing Director of hybrid creative agency Valtec Redon. With stunning and regularly award-winning campaigns for the likes of Head & Shoulders, RFSU, Carlsberg, and Electrolux, Ilva and the team were recently awarded a Cannes Lyon for their work with luxury retailer Eaton Shirts. She references her early career as a creative, as setting her apart as an unusual kind of leader within the agency world, combining both business and strategy skills with a love for creativity. Today, we'll be looking at the opportunity for brands to bring creativity into every touchpoint of their customer experience, why it isn't happening as much as it should be, and why companies can't afford for creativity to be an afterthought. So Ilva, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Tizzy. Let's start with an introduction to you. As always, maybe you want to tell us a little bit more about you and your experience and the work that you do at Redon. Absolutely. So I lead the creative business in Valtech Europe. That means applying disruptive ideas and story and emotion to digital transformation, really, which is, you know, super interesting work. I've been in digital media marketing for close to 20 years everything from startups to big global agencies. And so now I'm leading this uh, you know, amazing bunch of people for all over the world who come together to make something new in terms of what an agency is, what a digital agency is. So uh, yeah, I think I can confidently say I have the uh, best job in the world. Why do you think it is that creativity doesn't happen as standard then? Let's get into it. Yeah, and first, I think we need to define creativity for the purpose of this conversation, right? Because it's a really loose term. You don't want hundreds of, you know, angry <laughs> UX designers, for example, writing in now to, to point out that their work is highly creative, uh, which is this. Uh, but what I'm talking about today is applying the kind of creativity that leads to unexpected, like brand new solutions. So more specifically, brand new solutions that will make people do or feel, you know, buy something. And what in creative agencies is called the creative idea. Creative agencies aren't the only place where those ideas are born, of course. You know, it can be a disruptive startup idea or whatever, but they're one of the most reliable producers of them, I'd say. And we know that this kind of creative thinking can unlock massive value because, you know, it's, it's radical value creation, right? But we don't see enough of it applied to the broader customer experience, I think, like your e-com platform, your brick and mortar shop or your after sales app, for example. Why is that? Number one, I think in general, there is a lack of understanding of the commercial impact of creativity, sometimes even within the advertising space, actually, but more so in other areas. So I think on a general level, is at the core of a you know, powerful creative idea. This is the fact that it's never been done before. 
That's sort of inherent in it, right? The, the third identical idea in a row, it won't move the needle. Which, if you think about it, is completely contrary to some pretty strong forces in the modern business world, like especially you know, with the advent of easily accessible data, you know, which is in itself amazing, so don't, don't get me wrong. But with it comes sort of the idea that everything in business can and will be predictable and explained, quote, unquote, logically beforehand. That idea has become so much stronger and you're generally sort of trained and rewarded and celebrated for being that, being predictable and logical. And even if you produce a predictably, you know, mediocre improvement, you know, to be a bit you know, provocative, perhaps. But, but still, it's quite unlikely within like existing structures like that to embrace and leverage creativity. So especially within large organizations, I think it's super hard because that sort of logical part of your brain that looks for predictability, you know, that won't produce that. It's complete opposite, which is radical creativity, right? So, in, you know, even if you're the kind of person that sees that value, like how do you get it through five levels of demands from people who who, who don't? They're also trained in that sort of rational and predictability mindset. Modern corporations, they are built, you know, they are sort of filled with brilliant and capable and super knowledgeable people. But as organizations, I think they're quite serious. And that's, that's hindering them. You know, you can't... Can be creative and serious at the same time, I, I think. But we talk about the Valtigradon, you know, as a, a core belief is the importance of protecting weird, which I think is, you know, is a brilliant phrase, brilliant saying. Because, you know, if you, you build an organization which protects the weird, and you will have growth, you know, boom, believe me. But outside the agency space, you know, in which company is weird, <laughs> anything but an insult. So that's the first part. I, I think the second part is... As a more sort of specific explanation of why creative ideas are not applied across the whole funnel all the way down to, to sales. Companies are siloed and brand and storytelling and everything that's where those human values gives room to creativity are often the domain of people who might only have marketing comms at their disposal. You know, while the digital sales experience, just take an example, there can be owned by people who aren't measured on any of that, you know, which which is a shame. To take that a bit further, Ilva, we often reference the sea of sameness, that there has been this race to parity when it comes to the experience that brands are providing to their audiences. So clearly there's an opportunity there based on everything you've just mentioned. What is that opportunity that you see brands missing out on by not including creativity at every touch point of the interaction? Because it's really hampering them, right? That's a great demonstration, actually, what we talked about, because this sea of sameness, you know, that we, we're all seeing, it's, it's completely logical, right? You know, if your, your only objective, for example, is to remove friction from experience. And so it's the results of thousands of completely rational decisions. And the right decisions, you know, taken all over the world simultaneously in the quest to streamline an online shopping experience, let's say. And that leads you, of course, to one place. And that place can be 100% right sometimes, you know, if you're, I don't know, tax agency, maybe your only objective for a certain part of your digital experience is you know, to provide a completely seamless way for a huge, diverse population to file their tax returns. You know, you wouldn't want all that much creativity applied to that. But if you're a brand, then you need to compete and then you need to attract people and people are not interested in making everything in their life seamless, which I think we sometimes forget. We know, you know, most people prefer eating food at a restaurant, for example, to 
to those soylent shakes, you know, even if soylent is a more rational, seamless way of consuming calories. That is a nice example of it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, very rational, but few people would, you know, prefer it to, to a nice, nice meal. What humans value and does the value what most businesses are interested in capturing, you know, that can't really be explained and sort of rationalized in, in the same way. You know, there's a really good saying, I think is brilliant from um, Rory Sutherland, who's this you know, well-known advertising guru, I guess you'd call him, about looking for what's psycho-logical instead of logical. So what's actually logical in the minds of actual people. So, yeah, of course, brands then need to bring that emotional connection and, you know, entertaining, for example, to provide value. But as I, you know, said before, this is often the domain of the marketing department and their remits vary, obviously, but it's often restricted to what's seen as marketing communications channels, you know, making campaigns. And by the way, you know, their job is increasingly difficult because, Audiences are fragmented, whole generations are watching TV, all that sort of thing. So just imagine the power that can come out of that, using all your touch points instead. And it's cheap, you know, it makes sense the current climate to talk about. Like, you know, you don't need big media budgets to apply new thinking to the platforms and the channels that you already got. Let's make it really tangible then. Give me some examples of where you're seeing this work really well. Yeah, uh, let's talk about Ethan Schertz. You mentioned that in the beginning. I think that's a great example of that. And it's also a great example of an organization that gets the value of creativity beyond the rank campaign. So let's talk about that. Um, Ethan Schertz, they make premium shirts for bankers and lawyers and traders, white collar workers. They came to us with an e-com brief, really straightforward. Online sales target, tricky market for white business shirts at that point. Recession looms, stock markets were mad. And, you know, after COVID, you hadn't worn out the last one. So they gave us basically a carte blanche in how to solve it, but no large paid media budget to fix it with classic marketing. So you know, what do you do? I want to mention this, especially that this was a brief from the e-com people, which I love that. They're role models for this kind of thinking. So what we did, we unleashed our creatives' minds on this problem and their solution now, fuels again, you know, tying back to what we talked about, is by thinking human, like looking at the target group, what triggers them, what worries them, what makes them laugh, was making new pricing mechanism. I don't know how you feel, but I think the pricing is not the sexiest thing in, in sales or marketing, perhaps. <laughs> Agreed. But it's, it goes to show, you know, that powerful ideas are everywhere. So this became the uh, index shirt, uh, which was pegging the price of a shirt to the Nasdaq index. So market goes down, lower price, market goes up, vice versa. So what this idea does is that it, you know, it's straightforward, you know, e page with a sense of humor, sense of belonging within a target group, which was really engaged in, in the stock market. And also, in fact, triggers sales very directly. It's not just a branding idea, uh, because, you know, it gamified making a good deal. So, so it, it works on several layers at once. I think there's massive value creation there. You also mentioned earlier the need for brands to understand the impact of creativity. So let's go even, uh, even further into this, but also how to apply it in an effective way. And that's sometimes where the disconnect happens. What do they need to be thinking about? How do they turn it from an idea into a reality? It's a great question. I want to be really practical here, as you say, because I don't think that advice on a sort of brand level is always that fruitful. 
like changing the culture of a brand and organization to make it more creative friendly, for example, you know, it's, it's, it's a big one. It's a massive long-term endeavor run by top, top management. So those statements become a bit sweeping and it can be super inspiring, but you know, do they help anyone? Let's work within the system of modern business instead, right? Because ideas, I think they're only worth anything if they're launched, you know, it's uh, by someone. So let's say that you're an e-com director, an e-com manager or something like that. Anyone I apply this force, what do you do? Number one, don't fall into the trap of seeing and ultimately presenting creativity as a nice to have. We can see the strategic difference it makes for businesses all the time. So here's the challenge. Can you treat the, the playful, the counterlogical and, you know, back to the weird with this respect that you normally reserve for the rational and the predictable and the safe? Not treating it as the same thing, which is super important, but treating it with the same respect. Now, that means that not looking at the Eaton case I used to describe, for example, and just think, what can we do that's similar? What would be a fun thing to do? Like it's a team activity. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, it, it needs to be founded really in real business needs. Like what's the problem where you see that incremental business as usual changes are not enough to solve it? That's where you want to apply this thinking. And most likely this problem will be about humans, you know, I'd, I'd assume. And then you're setting yourself up for success because then you can really make an actual change with what you're doing. So that's number one. Number two, ask yourself, do you work in an organization or a partner organization that protects weird? No, you do not, most likely. Most probably you are surrounded by high-performing business graduates, much like yourself, expertly trained in how to sell more cat food or more Bluetooth speakers or more whatever with as little risk as possible. Nothing wrong with this, but then prepare yourself for having to really safeguard a creative idea. Because again, today especially, creativity often needs to be justified, needs to be explained to business leads, or it will die. It will die a horrible death in a meeting. So how do you approach that conversation? One advice, I think, is to remind people of the value of creativity, the unexpected, the entertaining, friction, all of that. Don't underestimate the need to remind people of that and educate a bit on the business value of these things. With we research, you know, there's a lot of research out there. So, you know, it's can you can build a very convincing case before even showing an idea. But on the other hand, do not fall into the trap of trying to rationalize the idea itself within your normal framework of say optimization of a digital experience. Because you know what your job is now is that you will need to convince someone to take a leap. That's the whole idea. So that's number two, brace yourself. Number three, I think this one is pretty important that I think you should set aside a budget, not only when it comes to money, but also time, because doing something new is a bit harder than doing something that you're always doing. And that means that time is so important, that's often underestimated. If it's time for actually making it, depending on what the idea is, but also time for getting ideas through internally as well. And then third, often a great creative idea will lead to opportunities that you need to capture when it's out in the world. You know, it's, it's often a quite unpredictable thing. You want to make the most out of it. Then last, I think, start small if you have to. Don't have to do everything at once. Like be a bit street smart about it. Go under the radar, get something 
small out into the world that's got energy to it, something that excites people, you know, also ex- internally. Now, this is an, an observation of, of mine, like, you know, that the most quote-unquote rationally minded and cautious person often loves ideas when they're released into the wild. I don't know why it's it's then <laughs> and not before, but I think it's probably because there's nothing left to feedback on, you know, and control and this, this sort of other part of their brain switches on. So that's quite a secret tip from me. Also, hopefully now, you know, with a little pilot, with a little small thing that you've gotten out there, you also have a case so that you can convince with not only the emotion, but also with the numbers. And then it can build from there and spiral. So yeah, those are our four tips. Treat creativity as a powerful way of solving business problems, i.e. with respect. Two, don't underestimate the need to help it through the corporate system. Three, budget with time. And four, start somewhere. Super tangible. Thank you. You talked about Eaton before, but I'm also interested in what else we've seen. So what are some other of your favorite examples that maybe you've seen from other brands showing this creativity across all those different touch points? Yeah, I do. Um, I gotta love them. But let me uh, give you one from the uh, world of brick and mortar retail. You know, this is uh, not one of ours. So it just appeared on my local high street the other year and I just found it genius, you know. In general, uh, back to my point earlier, I think that this is an area that's ripe for radical creativity. I mean, we've heard for 20 years now about how fiscal retail needs to change because of digital and give much more of another kind of experience. But there's really not much there still, I think. You know, a lot of talk and quite a few examples because you walk into a large you know, flagship experience store, whatever, and it's just fewer T-shirts and large displays in there if I'm... <laughs> if I'm a bit mean. But here's a good example. There's this uh, Swedish cleaning product brand which is called Hexans that produces detergents and polishes and all that sort of thing. It's a classic brand, been around forever. Everyone's used it. Nobody's taking any notice of it. Hexan translates to the witch. For some reason, I guess, witches have all these copper cauldrons to polish. It's I don't know, but you just never thought about this brand and what it means, you know. It was just this uh, witch on a polished bottle. And suddenly, first they did a very soft kind of rebrand, so apparently there is more energy put into this brand at this point than it was before. But this is really uh, quite cautious and a really good evolution rather than a revolution with the brand, right? And, and then suddenly, one day I'm walking my local high street and this all black sort of cabin-like Hexans shop appeared, right? And it had these products, the normal ones, the polishes and the turdents, but also tarot cards and incense and you can get a reading and everything. And it was it was brilliant. It wasn't just for a week. It wasn't a pop-up and anything. It was for a year when something like that was there for a long time. They'd just gone all in on that story in like a tangible form with like a shopping experience that was very taken to the extreme, a very sort of real, which I really, really uh, enjoyed. Am I allowed to take another one from uh, Walter Cradon? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> yeah, good. Then I'll do it because this is one of my absolute favorites. That's an idea that we made for Interflora. Valentine's Day is obviously massively important for them. They sell cut flowers. But it's also a hard day to get heard around, right? 
every advertiser is going to put out a show them you love them with whatever product kind of message. And to Flora at this point, they wanted to direct consumers to their e-com specifically. They wanted to grow that, which again is an experience which is not that differentiated compared to other Florence chains. I mean, what we did is to apply creative thinking to the aspect of e-commerce, which perhaps at first glance lends itself the least, I mean, even less than the pricing discussed earlier, to creativity, uh, which is logistics. But only if you're quote-unquote rationally minded, right? Because if you consider it from another point of view, then optimizing delivery speed and cost to the consumer which is a really expensive race to the bottom for brands, by the way. Um, everybody knows. Delivery uh, can say something. So, for example, what if you're getting flowers delivered to your significant other not in an hour, not in a day, but in three years' time? So that's suddenly a whole new level of commit, right? Because that's actually a powerful love story told through distribution, amazingly enough. So it's a whole new product, really. And it's something that's also strengthening your relationship to the Interflora brand as well. And that's what we did. So we did the, the world's slowest uh, flower delivery. You can sign up for it in 2020. It was delivered this year, actually, those flowers. So I just think that's so simple and so brilliant because, you know, cost you basically nothing as a brand. It's the, it's the idea that makes the whole difference. And that's the, that's the power of it. I love that idea. And I love the story. I'm also thinking of all the disasters that will have come about as part of flowers arriving three years later for a relationship that's perhaps broken down over time. But yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and 100%. I, I know that Interflora has um, received a desperate people to stop those deliveries. Um, so yeah. It's, it's, it's p powerful ideas will have powerful consequences, you know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I love that. And then I've just got one final question for you, Ilva, because obviously we feel a shift in the market in terms of embracing creativity and we talk about it more and more and more. Do you think there is a shift? Do you think that brands and companies are starting to embrace it more? Do you find that the conversation about creativity is easier to have now than perhaps it was five or six years ago or even three or four years ago? I think yes and no, because as you say, the idea of creativity being in a powerful way of unlocking value is something that has been talked about, which means that you rarely come to someone who's completely unprepared for a conversation, right? But on the other hand, if we look at what's actually happening out there, you don't see all that much of it. And I think that's for exactly the same reasons that I've been talking, that it's not about what you know. You don't need enlightenment. You need actual implementation. And that implementation is quite hard in a structure which is not good for that, right? The interesting thing now is to go from inspiration and the big ideas about creativity or innovation or any of those words and to go into actual change. And this is what I'm not seeing that much of at the moment, but I'm absolutely certain that, you know, this is time. It will happen. And I think that's true in many aspects in business right now that there's been like this decade of, of the big ideas and we're now going into a decade of doing, which I think is a super, super interesting place. 
what can be both threatening that and also be the opportunity for that, I think, is the times that we're in. Because one way, people get more cautious when times are bad, right? On the other hand, also, if you've got nothing to lose, let's try something. And let's be a bit scrappy about it. We saw that with, with COVID, for example. We saw a lot of quick creative ideation happening just because, you know, there was nothing to lose at that point. So, yeah, I'm excited by the possibility anyway. Exciting and hopefully more creative days ahead. Ilva, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. It was great having this conversation. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.